1: Not only do you upgrade to FAIR, you're also joining a reliable network you can trust to have your back. No hidden requirements, no activation fees. Now that's FAIR. Learn more at uscellular.com.
2: Hi, I'm Kara Swisher. This is a best of Recode Decode from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today, we're gonna play my interview with Nicole Wong, which originally aired in September of 2018. Nicole had worked at Google and Twitter before joining the Obama administration as deputy CTO of the United States in May 2013 to August 2014. As I mentioned, this is one of our favorite episodes from the past five years, so you're listening to a rerun. But Vox Media and New York Magazine will be bringing you new interviews on this feed later this year, so please stay subscribed. You can still hear me twice a week on my other podcast, Pivot with Kara Swisher and Scott Galloway. Head over there for fresh, fun, smart conversations about tech and media and all of businesses' wins and fails and predictions for what comes next. Just search for Pivot in your podcast app of choice. But now here's my interview with Nicole Wong from September, 2018. So let's start first by talking about your background, so people get an idea of where you've been. Sure. So you started. You're a lawyer, but I
3: am a lawyer, but you know what? When I was growing up, I wanted to be you, Karen. <laughs> I wanted <laughs> to a be a journalist from yeah. like, the time I was in sixth grade, and I uh, ended up going to. On- I only applied to law schools that had joint law and journalism degrees. Oh, so what I have a- happened? What did- I had a graduate did you degree. Worked for in the school newspaper, and things? I did. I did the school newspaper. I was an intern at the Anchorage Daily News. Wow. I did bear stories. Wow. Okay. Uh, so you're from Alaska. <laughs> no, I'm from San Diego, but okay. like you was where I was. Okay. Did my internship okay at the end of it i kind of decided that actually law was going to be more because yeah, we're for useless me. you got that and you figured that one out <laughs> I, I like something about like tactics was, like the law part appealed to me but i ended up doing first amendment law when i mm-hmm. came out of school so the first part of my career was representing newspapers tv stations radio stations in the bay area mm-hmm. on first amendment issues which was fabulous mm-hmm. but in the Mid-90s, my— Give you me ment- your biggest First Amendment. What was your— I worked on—I don't know if you remember when uh, the Ninth Circuit ordered— they reversed the not doing the death penalty in the United States, mm-hmm. or in, in California, excuse me. And so we did our first execution in, I think, like 1994 in mm-hmm. California. And then there was a case in California where, like, we were going to do an execution at San Quentin, and the afternoon paper, the San Francisco Examiner, got locked out. Mm-hmm. Um, And so we went in and made the case that if you don't have an afternoon paper, uh, if that execution happens overnight, no one's going to know about it the next morning because of the way print cycles worked right? Right. before the days of the uh, the internet. So that was one of the cases I worked on. A lot of them were small. A lot of them were like... We need access to that courtroom. We need access to public records. Mm-hmm. Um, some were defamation cases. Some were libel cases. Some were right. reporters' privilege cases. Mm-hmm. But like in the mid '90s, those newspapers started going online, mm-hmm. and then my the partner that I had and I've like followed them there. And in 1997, we started getting our first pure play internet clients and mm-hmm. so Yahoo was a first one of the first clients mm-hmm. um some that you wouldn't remember maybe like silicon investor mm-hmm. uh, But hotmail before it was acquired by Microsoft netscape so you worked um, for a lot yeah a bunch of them right that right. were like it was such an exciting time mm-hmm. to be both in the valley but also a lawyer where right. the law was still unclear mm-hmm. so that's how i got into that in a uh, 2004 i Left the law firm, went to Google. I right. A- so why did you do that? A lot
4: of people have done it. A lot of people haven't. Yeah. I'm try- I know lots of different lawyers who have done that and moved along. Yeah. But you were covering lots of tech companies and, and, and in startups and making law, like really because a lot of those deal making, there's all kinds of different right. legal right. issues to deal with.
3: I So the thing that I most enjoyed mm-hmm. about counseling clients was actually helping them build the products. Mm-hmm. And so when Yahoo when we first started with Yahoo, they had only two lawyers in their legal department, mm-hmm. neither of which who had a background in sort of publishers mm-hmm. uh, responsibilities and rights. Right. During that time and I think a lot of people forget, a lot of the folks who were moving onto the internet thought of themselves as software developers yeah. and didn't appreciate their role as publishers. Right. And so they still don't. Nicole. There there is that. So yeah. there's like, consistency. Although I think I've got they've gotten better in a lot of cases because they talk about issues Nicole, of Nicole, They're expression. not media companies. They're <laughs> platforms They deserve the immunity. I've, got, I've sat with the We are uh, totally going to yeah, get to that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, but I think a lot of the the work that I was doing at the beginning was helping those companies appreciate what it means to be a message board, and it's not just software, mm-hmm. right? It has responsibilities to the people who are on it and to the people who read it. and so That was a lot of the first part of my work. But I missed, I think I recognized as a lawyer, and especially when you're the outside lawyer, that you don't get to have say on the design of the product. Mm-hmm. You don't get to have say about like, what is the business responsibility around mm-hmm. this product? And that you get by being in-house. That That's right. how you get right. to the table. So. Yeah. Um, I had an opportunity to go to Google Mm -hmm. in 2004. Small. Still small. Yeah. It was like 1,100 people, I think, when I -hmm. joined. They hired me as senior compliance counsel, Mm -hmm. which... We immediately changed to right. like product counsel mm-hmm. um, because nobody invites the compliance guy. To yeah, make, yeah, right. I <laughs> like you <it'd> to be <laughs> compliant. But if your if your job is styled as like I'm here to help you get your product out the door, mm-hmm. then then and you're making in it legal to do so. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. So you worked on what? Talk, talk about it. Um, I was responsible for the launch of all of our products globally, mm-hmm. um, and so in 2004, it was just search. But after the IPO, it very quickly became much, much more than search, mm-hmm. right? Street View was a big thing. You, the acquisition of YouTube, the acquisition of DoubleClick, mm-hmm. all of those areas that that Google started to grow in um, over the next seven and a half years mm-hmm. were, were the things I was involved in. I grew up a team of product council um, with my good friend Alex McGillivray, mm-hmm. uh, and they went on to do amazing things, and then some of my responsibilities expanded, so I had responsibility for at various times litigation patent trademark copyright privacy mm-hmm. and and broad le- regulatory types which stuff. grew and grew and grew which kept <laughs> growing right <laughs> right which was because google moved into more and more things
4: yeah yeah um and what was the thinking at the time about lawyers like they just wanted to make and not think if I recall um but they did have lawyers around all the time they did have lawyers yeah. and yeah. i have
3: to say like i think my experience was like they The lawyers who were there at the time, Mm -hmm. Kulpreet Rana, David Drummond, Alex Mm -hmm. McGillivray, Miriam Rivera, we were all really good at finding the place where we could add value and be valued by the client, which is the thing that you have to do. Like, you Mm -hmm. can't be the lawyer that says no all the time. Mm -hmm. You have to figure out a way, not this way, Mm -hmm. but what if we designed it a different way? Right. And I think that that, that's the part that made it the most fun, which Mm -hmm. is like, how do you Figure out how to achieve the business and the product ends mm-hmm. while being legally compliant. Right, right, right. And but you never got called a compliant anything after that. I
4: mean. <laughs> so you, so you were there for how long? Seven and a half years. Seven and a half years, um, which was this
3: big go-go days, really was, for Google. Yeah, for I mean, it was um, all of our big products. It was in and out of <laughs> China. Mm-hmm. It was. Lots of new possible business areas that we then closed down. We had, yeah. I don't remember, like Orchid, the yeah. social network. Yes, <laughs> I remember Orkut. I know Orchid. I just
4: ran into him recently. Yeah. So, like, he's right. still bitter <laughs> that he's not Facebook. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they big in Brazil. I'll never forget. I don't know, it was Larry or Sergey. He's like, it's big in Brazil. And I'm like, right. So what?
3: I was I was like, like, yeah. But the rest of the world, not so much. Huge like, in Brazil, India, yeah. and Iran. Right. right. And, and, like, yeah. and no one in the United yeah, States. So they kept knew saying big in
4: Brazil. I'm like, <laughs> you keep going with Brazil. I'm sure you'll somehow catch Facebook with that. I'll never forget that big in Brazil. So you then went
3: to Twitter then. After. So I took a year and a half off to hang out with my kids mm-hmm. uh, and my family. And then um, at the end, of, like, what, about around what got eight, you out? What did, why did you leave? Part of it was, it, I was ready and I had a team that was ready to take on the responsibility. A lot mm-hmm. of it was, um, I don't know that I've ever said this to, to people who were not just friends. My youngest daughter, one Christmas said to me, I was like, what do you want for Christmas? And she said, more time with you. Oh, wow. And there's only oh, one answer to that. Right? <laughs> it's like every working mom's nightmare. Yeah. Oh, but, no, but, <laughs> not that. Not but, time. Uh, but I was able to do it. Yeah. Um, and... Totally enjoyed the year and a half. And after a year and a half, my daughters were literally like, what did you all day. Yeah, right. And I was yeah, like, okay. all right, so it's time for right. me to go back to work. So I went back. I went to um, Twitter to work yeah, so with So
2: wh- how did you get there?
3: What was the— Alex McGillivray was yeah, the general Post counsel, AMAC. and he and I had worked at, at Google together, and it was mm-hmm. a pleasure to work with him again. Um, and it was the job was to build up their product council team. Right. And so I was there, but I was there for literally, I think, six months before I got a call from the White House mm-hmm. uh, to join the Obama administration as the deputy CTO. And why did you want to do that? You know, I think— policy right part of it and and part of it super personal so they had actually caught me right after my grandfather had passed mm-hmm. and he had instilled in us the sense that like you have every right to be here Mm-hmm. And you have a right to participate in your community and your government. And if you get the opportunity, it's your responsibility mm-hmm. and your privilege to do so. And and knowing that, when the call came in from the White House, there's no way that I can't walk that walk. Right. right? And so the opportunity to serve, and, and candidly, and, and I don't know if you know Todd Parkwell, yes, he's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um. And the vision that he had for bringing— all of government services up to another level mm-hmm. to be able to participate at, at such a high impact, that was that was huge and, and right. it wasn't something And you could focused on down. what there? So my portfolio was innovation, internet, and privacy policy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of big. Huge. Yeah. And like when, when you go into government, they tell you like... Fix the government. <laughs> okay, <cool. laughs> don't break the internet. They tell you like focus on three things. Like you mm-hmm. got to have three priorities because mm-hmm. every day is an emergency and you're mm-hmm. going to get distracted if you don't. So I, going in in like April... I was, like, getting ready to move, and I was like, where are the kids going to go to school? And I was like, okay, so I'll do maybe Internet governance and free expression, which is mm-hmm. sort of where my passions lie, and maybe I'll do some privacy. And I was, we were planning to move in July of that, that summer, and, and June 9th, mm-hmm. if you remember, is when the Edward Snowden disclosures yeah. started. Yeah. And they were like, how soon are you getting here? Right. <laughs> so I started the next week. Right. And honestly, like, the first half of the time I was there was spent on privacy, surveillance issues, and and most importantly, I think the, the work that I'm most proud of was public policy implications of big data. Right, right, which has been
4: the story ever since. Yeah. And also, you know, it was interesting. I was writing a column today for the New York Times that I write for, and one of the things that I left out was the, the damage that Snowden thing did to the relationship between the government and Silicon Valley, which yeah. had been relatively cooperative until then, and then it was broken. Rather,
3: I think uh, I think that's right. Yeah. I, like like the notion that I would go and talk about internet governance or free expression mm-hmm. at a time when like mm-hmm. the Snowden disclosures happened, yeah. like that was done. like you weren't going to talk about you. anything you, you've been else. Spying on us, exactly, and, and, which I think was, uh, you know, which that which the government
4: assisted the government. The companies were cooperative with. They said they were not. It just went on. Aw- it just seems like. A lot of what's ha- what would happen in the Russia thing, you can draw a very bright line, is that they were not cooperating in the way they used to, Yeah, in the way they used to, which is interesting. But that's a, that's a topic for another day. We, we may get into that. So you did that. And w- what was the experience like? Do you, you're in the middle of that. That's all there is. That was yeah. all there
3: was. Yeah. No, right. it was. it's all-consuming. It was fascinating. Right. Um, like, there's no other experience like it I would— What did you take away from it? The most important lesson, and the one that I, I continue to try and work on, is I think that— we have not done a good job of filling the the ranks in government and in the public sector with yes. technologically capable, savvy people. Or
4: they're in the they're in a
3: backseat position. Exactly, or brought like, in, like the help. They think that like, like the you're there to up. fix the email right. servers, right? right? As opposed to like thinking about forward thinking policy mm-hmm. and the the ramifications of what it means to use all this technology in our world. And I think we are doing ourselves a disservice mm-hmm. by not doing that. I think that there are there are big and small things that I've been talking with people about, like, what should be the tech agenda for social impact? Mm-hmm. Part of it is government. Part of it is, like, just make shit work, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> right? Right, 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 <laughs> like, right, Like, if you can order a chocolate cake on yeah. Amazon and have yeah. it delivered that yeah. day, then you ought to be able to get your Social Security benefits just as easily, right? right. So, Absolutely. like, there, there's that. And then there's the... But the, the the broader vision, which is like, what's our moonshot? Mm-hmm. Knowing what all of our capabilities are, how do mm-hmm. we how do we power the, the next? Why is that from your experience in
4: government? I have some thoughts about it, but I mean that, that they just don't think about it. They don't. They're not technologically literate people. from many of the people that go into it, and they're, they operate in a very old system that resists
3: that kind of change, and also they're they're fearful of it. And wary. Well, because they don't understand it very right. well. Right. So there's some weariness. I, I think that's going to change over time. I think that the the growing ranks of those at the staff level and at the congressional level are much more savvy mm-hmm. than they used to be. They If you even just look at not all the questions in the congressional testimony right. are great, but they're way better than they were 5 okay. years ago. Okay. You say so. <laughs> On Zuckerberg ones. I was literally like like, I was screaming like they're reading the Wikipedia the page. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But like they're way better than they once were. And mm-hmm. I think we're getting better at educating them. I think that, you know, we still face a lot of competition. If you're coming out of school with a CS degree, are you going to a private company or are you going into the public sector? Right, you're not and, going through. And there's a money thing, no, yeah, right? Right. And we haven't instilled in people the sense that they should serve. Right, that, for a time. This is our government, right. and it's only as good as we are. Right, right, And they should serve.
4: So you were there for a couple
3: of years uh-huh. and then came back. Yeah. So what have you been doing since? See, I know you're going to ask me that, and I wish I had a really crisp. Your daughter's crazy. (laughs) Exactly, Um, mom. Please wait. Are they teenagers now? They are. Please. They are both in high school. Yeah, it's awesome. My son
4: left the other day, and I haven't seen him (laughs) since. Like he was like, "Bye, mom." Like, I'm like, "Where'd you go?"
3: And he showed up again for lunch. I love them both dearly, and it's an amazing time. So yeah, so part of it is is being home. Part of it is I consult for some companies. Mm -hmm. I do some work with nonprofits, like Mm -hmm. um, Mozilla Foundation, which is doing a lot of work Mm -hmm. on the area of internet health, right. Witness, which is a human rights organization that mm-hmm. was founded like 25 years ago by uh, Peter Gabriel to do, it focuses on training people to do video documentation of human rights abuse. Mm-hmm. And in this era of everybody has a camera, right? Right, And you can use this data in so many new ways. Just thinking forward thinking about that has been a real joy to work with them. Some of it is literally still supporting folks who are in government mm-hmm. and, and giving them some right. guidance and trying to get more people into their ranks. Right. And then, and, and working on other things. It so was really interesting is Nicole sent me a whole list of things to
4: talk about when she was here. She thought I'd prepare for these shows, but I don't. I'm like, my whole like, life is give me, preparation. Give me
1: something to focus on, No, I don't. That's my, that's my
4: thing. I don't help you. <laughs> Someone on the Twitter did, it was like, what do you prep these people I was like, I don't prep anybody. I'll talk to <laughs> I, will, I will vouch for you on
2: that. We're listening to my September 2018 interview with Nicole Wong, the former deputy CTO of the United States under President Obama. We're gonna take a quick break now. We'll be back after this.
0: Searching for what to stream next? HBO Max is where all of HBO meets the greatest collection of movies, shows, and Max originals for everyone in the family. Discover something fresh to watch with new HBO series like Lovecraft Country from Jordan Peele, Misha Green, and J.J. Abrams, or The Undoing, starring Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant. You can also jump into a new Max original like Selena Gomez's new cooking show, Selena and Chef, or The Flight Attendant, a dark new comedic thriller starring Kaylee Cuoco. Ridley Scott's even producing a new series called Raised by Wolves. Whether you want to rewatch classic favorites or finally get into that show your friends have recommended a thousand times, HBO Max has something for everyone. Start streaming today and find your next favorite. Download the app or visit hbomax.com to start your free trial.
1: If you're an early adopter, you get that your devices and your connections need to be fast and help make your life better. But you might be forgetting one thing. Tech should be fair too. Fairness isn't a new idea. But it is to wireless. That's where U.S. Cellular comes in. At U.S. Cellular, people come first. And that means a fast, reliable connection with no hidden requirements and no activation fees. They'll even pay you back for unused data. When you upgrade to U.S. Cellular, you upgrade to FAIR. Learn more at uscellular.com.
2: We're here with Nicole Wong, the former deputy CTO of the United States. She's also been a very big executive and important
4: person in formulating a lot of legal issues around tech companies. And there's so many topics we have to talk about, Nicole. I think we're going to start with this, what's going on right now in Congress. I I want to get to the wacky stuff at the end, the content moderation, things like that. But let's talk about the Russia stuff. Because that's what Cheryl and Jack are there to talk about. And they're going to talk to a chair from Google, some Google chair. Why didn't Google just... Drag Larry or Sundar there.
3: I know? I don't know. I because like, I don't think. I don't have any reason to believe they have something to hide. No, I Uh, know. Yeah, why? So so Can't they just, like, put them on one of the Google (laughs) rockets? uh,
4: Yeah, Google time, whatever, the the (laughs) machine, the the transporter. Teleportation. Teleportation (laughs) machine they've got in the back there and just move them on over. Yeah. Not Larry, because you've got to get them out of cold storage for a while and and heat them up and stuff like that. But you don't have to say anything. Yeah, Sundar. You know what I'm saying? So they're going there, not Google, but they did, Kent did uh, some... Oh, did he? Say testimony. The testimony? I haven't. Seen they don't it. want it. They don't yeah. care. Yeah. I don't think Warner's like, screw you. Like, you either show up or you don't. And they're going to have a wooden chair there. Apparently, that's what they tell me. So, talk about the implications of this. These hearings, I think, are actually more important because they're actually they're from they're serious politicians who actually know a few things about things.
3: Or I, I think that's true. And but I think it's important to think about like what are hearings good for and what are they not right good for. And I've done like five. Mm-hmm. Right. So, hearings are super good for. Putting executives or companies' feet to the fire, yes, right, and that's edu- always a good thing. It's always good, and educating the policymakers and mm-hmm. their staff mm-hmm. as well as the public right. about a thing. Look at right, this. and so like educating like. Russian disinformation campaigns, <laughs> that's good for all of us, mm-hmm. and that's that's mm-hmm. an important reason yeah. to have them there. Um, it's good for, again, like, holding them to a schedule. So my assumption is, if Jack and Cheryl are showing up, they have some good news to report, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they've made progress, progress. since the last um, right. hearing that so they did. So what they want to do is say,
4: here's what we did wrong, and here's what we're doing and to fix it. And here's what we've done to fix it. And right.
3: that's, that's also, like, that's a really good, knowing that they'll be held accountable, that's a good function of a congressional hearing. <laughs> what I think it sometimes get used as is A platform for assigning blame, Mm -hmm. a platform for a political grandstanding, Mm -hmm. that's unuseful. And anyone who thinks someone's going to go in there like, we found the silver bullet, Mm -hmm. that's so not going to happen because this problem is so complex Mm -hmm. and so beyond just what the tech companies can do, Mm -hmm. right? Like any expectation that that's going to happen, we should kill that part now, right? right. right? But to me, optimal results would be that— You find some agreement about what's the easy stuff, Mm -hmm. Alex Jones, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Find the easy stuff and decide we have agreement on how we're going to handle that easy Mm -hmm. stuff, Mm -hmm. whether it's by legislation or something else. And then lean into the hard questions because there's lots of hard questions. And figure out, like, what can we make progress on, even Mm -hmm. if imperfect? What can we not—that this is not a tech company solution. It's a different solution. right. right. Now, this has been a relatively— New thing for tech. Now, Jerry Yang
4: did go and get yeah. his head handed to him during get that. called a moral pygmy. Moral pygmy, if you recall. I do. Uh, I remember saying, don't go. <laughs> I'm going to do something <laughs> bad to you there. And he's like, what, what? I am like, no. <laughs> Just, there's no winning on this one. He really did screw it, things going on there. This was in China. But there, it's been very little. I think Mark was the first really big, uh, correct? CEO
3: <laughs> level, yeah. CEO that's, level that's big right. names.
4: Because most of it has been, I think Jerry Yang was the last one I can remember that
3: was, what else did you... I don't know. I, I got sent out a lot.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but not,
3: but, yeah. not or, that you're you, not big, but no, you know what I mean? But, no, but totally. Like you send your vice president of public policy or you right. send your head of comms or right. head of product. So the, Mark was the
4: first big one. How yeah. do you assess that encounter? I think it's just the beginning. This is going to go. I was like strap on your wooden chair But he's going to have to do it many all more of them, times. All of them on everything. And by the way, it's not just yeah. Russia. It's going to go to AI. It's going to go to
3: yeah.
4: I- IoT. It's going to go to a- everything.
3: Everything. Oh, yeah, for sure. But whether it'll be a CEO or not, I think, is up for debate. And, yeah. and here's the thing is, like, you don't create solutions in a hearing. No, you don't. Right? And right. so all the hard work and all the commit, you, you can use the hearing to get a commitment mm-hmm. that something will be done, but you right. can't actually devise a My solution. point being is that these companies have operated largely unfettered for yeah. a long, long time. And
4: that's—I mean, they would say not, but I, I don't know. I think if you were a broadcast company or, any, or a media company, you'd be like, hey, get on the, get on the legal— Right. train that we've been on for years. So w- how did you assess the Mark hearings? I, oh, thought, he did. He, I thought
3: he did well only because they were terrible. That's really pretty much... <sighs> Certainly first day. Low bar. Yeah. He did worse second day and their questions were better second yes, day. yeah. yeah I thought, for right? some reason the house. <laughs> yes, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> Which like 10 hours in that seat, that <laughs> sucks for anybody. Yeah, right? yeah. So I, I thought he did fine. Mm-hmm. And I thought the thing that I think really kept sort of bothering me during that mm-hmm. was, I think on the second day, and maybe it was because he was a little bit worn down, mm-hmm. he kept referring to AI as the solution, like, mm-hmm. oh, we're going to start handling this using yeah. more AI. Yeah. And this notion that, like, we can resolve content and disinformation problems just by throwing some AI about it. Yeah. AI can help, but it's not going to yeah. solve the problem. Yeah. And I, I think that you, if you were not well informed about how AI or just machine learning works, mm-hmm. You thought that was supposed to be a silver bullet, and it's not. It's not absolutely, no. and absolutely. it could go really wrong, right? right? Like if we do it poorly, yeah. we will replicate all the mistakes we're currently absolutely. making. Absolutely, <laughs> my issues with them were they
4: the the water under bridge. Let's put the water under bridge and let's focus on solutions. I'm like, let's reflect on the problems. Yeah. Like I know you say talk about blame, but I think there's something very good in thinking about why you went wrong.
3: Yeah, although, like, I I also remember at the beginning of. Uh, uh, Mark, I think, said, we accept responsibility for it.
4: We have a broader responsibility.
3: Yeah, but there was also, like, it was as if he accepted the outcomes of elections, both here and in Europe, Mm -hmm. as, like, Facebook had, that was Mm -hmm. Facebook's issue. And it's not. Like, that's not, you and I may end up disagreeing about this.
4: Like, the way way
3: this election turned out is not because of tech or Russian disinformation. Mm -hmm. We had 63 million people Mm -hmm. vote for a man Mm -hmm. who was Blatantly misogynist, mm-hmm. right. racist, Agreed. Agreed. anti-Semitic, right? right, intolerant, right? Like yeah. all of those things and he wasn't hiding it from us. Right. And 63 million people didn't find that disqualifying. Right, absolutely. So, like, me— I agree me, with you. I just literally if, made that argument. I actually agree <laughs> with you. Uh, someone
4: was like—we "You." We were talking about talking to Bannon. I'm like, B- Bannon is n- got him elected. Like, that's what you need to vote. Fo- like, no amount of, of amplification by the media will make it right. any worse or less as he did it, which is interesting. But I see why people are offended by him, obviously. But one of the things that I thought was interesting, though, even though 63 million people did— it's where those edge cases where things yeah. could have shifted. The few and we, states I think where we will never thousand. know that. I think that's the problem is there is no way to trace it anymore. Yeah. There's no way to find out. It. It's almost like an episode of Scandal. It's like you're never going to figure it out. Yeah. And so I think that will haunt this entire election process because it's never going to be known if there was 50 ads that changed everything right. or not. Right. Or not where that could have gone. Or you could also blame it on six things Hillary Clinton said that could have shifted it too. The deplorables thing didn't work very or well. Or how but, it
3: echoed into the media. Right. And all exactly. This, right? There's like or was it was a huge number times of times writing
4: this. Or was it James Comey? Right. There's all kinds of ways. But there's definitely a place for. Facebook could have been one of the shifts.
3: Absolutely. Right. I, I I think that's absolutely true. And I think like figuring out how to what is tech's role, mm-hmm. right, for the coming election, especially we're less than hundred days out now, right? right? So like what is the role? That's super important. But I just didn't want to lose sight of, like— No, I get that. But yeah, I do I think the three things for
4: them are, one, clean up the fake accounts, which mm-hmm. they let grow rampant because they want growth, growth, growth. Fake accounts and anonymous accounts, like, that we can't track in any way. Two is clean up transparency in political ads. Mm-hmm. They just didn't do that. They just didn't do their yeah. job. That's it. And it sh- they should be—they're tra- transparent everywhere else. They should be transparent there. And the last thing is the fake news, the allowance. Again, the, the, the sloppy management of fake news. Yeah,
3: yeah. And I think in that first category, I don't know if you were including, like, the use of bots. Mm-hmm. Like, I think these— companies ought to be labeling bots. Mm-hmm. Like I should know if I'm interacting with a human or that's not right. a human. And that's and I think that that's not just like a bot, but like a robot. Because right. Right? I think Google did like a demo of its new voice, mm-hmm. like human yeah, voice, was was super convincing and eerie. Mm-hmm. We should know right. that we're not interacting right. with a human being because like, as we go forward, and as this human like AI becomes more and more prevalent, there ought to be a A clear understanding of when I'm dealing with a human and when I'm not, when I have to care about the response. That's called anticipation. You're
4: anticipating. (laughs) Let me just say, tech companies did not anticipate this stuff, and they didn't anticipate, and they were sloppy. Those two things are enough to like fix that, please. Which is interesting. So these hearings, what what do you expect to come out of them? Like, because there's one in October about antitrust. There's one later in the afternoon tomorrow, which will already have been news with Jack Dorsey by himself around content moderation. Right. So let's talk about that one. And then I want to know what to expect, actually. Content moderation, which is a nice way of saying censorship or possibly not or First Amendment. Yeah. You're a First Amendment lawyer. How do you look at
3: this incredibly fraught situation? Super complicated. Mm -hmm. No silver bullet. None. And I think uh, I'm somewhat frustrated by the level of conversation in each of the countries that is trying to wrestle with it because Mm -hmm. they are all dealing with it as if it were not global, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so... Explain that. Facebook's in this really awkward position where it's trying to have a global platform and one set of rules imposed consistently. Mm -hmm. And the fact of the matter is that, like, every understanding of content is incredibly nuanced from a perspective of, like, what is it, is it is in the culture, what it is in the political system, how the legal environment handles mm-hmm. a content problem. Mm-hmm. And so I know what they're trying to do, and I understand that that's the only way to scale it. Mm-hmm. I just think it's really hard. And, and I will say that as someone who gets to say that in hindsight, because I'm not that decider anymore. Mm-hmm. And in the days when I did it, it was millions, not billions of users, right? Mm-hmm. It was hundreds of Uh, I don't remember, it was like in the tens or scores of hours per minute on YouTube, not in the hundreds of hours Mm -hmm. of of content on YouTube. And so I actually had the time Mm -hmm. to say my folks would level up something for me to see. Mm -hmm. And I would get a day, Mm -hmm. right, to sort of think about it and get some more information about like, well, what what does this mean in India, Mm -hmm. right? What are the ramifications? And to touch base with people in India Mm -hmm. to say like, should I do this or that? They appear not to have that latitude anymore. Right. And and what what I'm hearing is that they have like four or five seconds per piece of controversial content to make a decision. Right. Right. You are going to get so many mistakes. Yeah. Doing that. And it's I the think the life they chose. Nicole. It is the life they chose. And the
4: billions they accepted. So for the, doing cons- that job. the
3: question is like, do we want to slow that down? Yeah. Is this yeah. the moment where like we have kind of like a slow food movement for the internet? Mm-hmm. And oh, that's we a just great idea. slow everything
2: down. Yeah. So and how it, does that work?
3: Well, so here's I, I was thinking about and I'm not sure I'm going to directly Mm -hmm. answer that question, but, like, when I first started at Google, um, I remember having conversations around the pillars of design for search. I don't think they called it exactly that, but Mm -hmm. it it was, like, the principles on which you design search. Mm -hmm. And it might have been Matt Cutts that said, like, there's comprehensiveness. We want all the information we can get. Mm -hmm. There's relevance, meaning we deliver the right response when when someone asks a question, and speed. Those Mm -hmm. were the three pillars of search. And then, like, in the mid-2000s, when social networks... And behavioral advertising came into play. There was this change in the principles that we just weren't as concerned, I think, about search anymore. And instead, we were focusing on this other part of the platform. And the the dynamics were around personalization,
0: mm-hmm.
3: which is not relevance, right? It's right. not it's what you want to see. Not what meets your answers your question, but like what's more stuff that you like. Mm-hmm. Personalization, engagement, mm-hmm. what keeps you here, right? Which Today, we now know very clearly it's, it's the, most, the most outrageous thing you can find right. and speed, right? So speed's still there, but the first two have changed. And that has, I think, propelled You're this absolutely right. crazy environment that we're in now. So what if we change the pillars again? What if mm-hmm. now everything that we've learned in the last two years, we say, that's not the Internet we want to live with. Mm-hmm. And so this is just personal for me. Like, mm-hmm. what if the pillars were um, accuracy, authenticity, and context? Mm-hmm. Like and maybe that slows it down, mm-hmm. right? So maybe um, that means that things like Black Lives Matter or to Hair Square have a little bit more trouble getting off the ground quickly, mm-hmm. right? Maybe the Ferguson thing you don't hear about that as fast as mm-hmm. you do now and mm-hmm. as as quickly among Which your some workers, would say is a terrible thing, right? So some things are gonna there's gonna be cost to like mm-hmm. refocusing those principles, but is maybe that's a different world that we actually ought to be mm-hmm. trying to build, yeah. Yeah. Do you think they're thinking about it like that? I have no idea. Yeah. I hope they are. Yeah. I don't think they are.
4: Unfortunately, <laughs> I think they're tri- they've got their hair on fire. Is what the <laughs> Inglis put out the hair? Right. I mean, what do you make of the, the like Jack will be in front of uh, the House members who will do- only talk about diamond and silk and everything like being pushed down and Laura Ingram talked about nationalizing Google and Face. I know. Yeah. I know you're rolling your eyes. Yeah. I'm rolling my eyes too. But these are being talked about yeah. by, seri- by seri- people who have serious impact on potential people who could have serious impact.
3: Yeah, yeah. So
4: I'm not taking them. I'm not just going to roll my eyes. I'm troubled by this. I'm totally troubled. And here's here's what I... Can I've... you just... Google and Facebook do not discriminate. Like that, I just no. They just do totally not.
3: Uh, pay rank, right? Yeah, From what I exactly. can understand. right? It's, all right. Like it, it, it's algorithmically based, and it is not mm-hmm. about like, hey, I like this political decision better than that political right. decision. Like, no one's got time. Mm-hmm. Right,
4: <laughs> right, right. So, how do you get rid of that if you're the tech companies? Besides just saying it over and over again, you're an you can, without saying you're an idiot. Stop. Yeah, saying Yeah,
3: I don't know. And in this environment, and because they are put on their back foot. I think it's going to be super hard. And, and what, what that might mean is that folks like me or you or others outside of mm-hmm. that environment say like, hey, that's not actually the thing right. that we think is happening, or nor are we worried about that. Do you feel there's an actual risk when you have Warren Hatch all
4: of a sudden, who didn't talk about antitrust, is talking about antitrust, or maybe, or, or the president
3: tweeting that Google's trying to yeah. skew his ser- search results? I do worry about it, but I also think that we have to have an honest conversation about what... They are looking for, right? Because mm-hmm. so, some of the solutions that I see get bandied about by folks who are not as sophisticated but understanding mm-hmm. what's happening. Like, well, there should only be verified users on these systems, mm-hmm. right? Or we should have these really blunt instruments that we just don't allow that type of content at mm-hmm. all. Verified users, bl- large blunt instruments of censorship, those are authoritarian government tools mm-hmm, right mm-hmm, and right. so at some point both we and these companies are going to need to stand up and say like the things you are asking us to build and service for this democracy
0: mm-hmm.
3: are tools that will be used in China right in Russia mm-hmm. in Turkey in right. Saudi Arabia right. right like you appreciate the fact that we are the global platform right and right. that what we build everybody will have the right to demand. Right. We'll get to Google and China in a minute.
1: Because <laughs> so be careful there. Um,
4: but, but so when, when the Alex Jones thing came about, what did yeah. you think? You know, I thought they should remove him.
3: Yeah. I, like, I, I didn't remove removed to, other people. Like, how many strikes do you have to have? Yeah. yeah. Right. Before you get to it. I, it felt to me like they had to update their policies to meet the level of, mm-hmm. of vitriol he was, he was propagating on the mm-hmm. process. How would you have dealt with it as a lawyer?
4: They dragged their feet for a while, and then all yeah. of a sudden,
3: all flipped. Yeah. I think it is hard. Here's here's what I think they were struggling. Actually, I think
4: with. they were struggling. All right. I think they were be-
3: struggling. And and and, and it, they were like these did- damn Apple people <laughs> did it before us. This- I think I think part of it is like this notion of like how do I think about being responsible for understanding stuff happening off my platform? Mm-hmm. Like how do I incorporate that into a policy? Because again, like we're talking about a scale issue mm-hmm. and I may have in the old days. I feel like I had to be like in a rocker (laughs) with a (laughs) cigar or something. But like, like in in the old days, yeah, maybe I had a day to think about that. But they don't. And so, how do you do the diligence of understanding the off the site ramifications Mm -hmm. or or, of what's happening or incorporated into your policy? What would you have done, Alex? that was I probably would have done the research to figure it out, and, and then and then made made a call. But like. I also think, like, I probably made inconsistent bad decisions mm-hmm. while I was there. That's, right. Like that. Right. So your thread well, is that you been will been make an Alex inconsistent Jones call, knowing what you know. I probably would have removed him earlier. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. I think so. Yeah, because it just got worse and worse, and then yeah. you can put and so someone's you talked about this you. this
3: documentary called "The Cleaners." Explain that. And then oh, in the next yeah. Next
4: section we're talking about tech clash and diversity. There's a there's a issues.
3: new documentary mm-hmm. uh, that uh, by two uh, directors from Germany mm-hmm. who wanted to explore. Um, site, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they wanted to explore like what is this content moderation um, industry and and it was born of I think research done by a professor down at UCLA named Sarah Robertson, mm-hmm. so she is the one who uncovered like there are thousands of Work contract workers in the Philippines mm-hmm. cleaning up all of these social media right. platforms, yeah. right? And making calls that like, mm-hmm. if we were here in the United States, we might not quite make the same call. Right. Um, so this uh, documentary, they actually go back and interview a bunch mm-hmm. of the contractors about what they understand to be the rules, mm-hmm. for the, the decisions they've had to uh, mm-hmm. make on terrorist content, child pornography, self-harm content, all of this stuff. And it's fascinating to hear from the contractor's perspective what they think their obligations are. And what do they think? They are trying really hard to follow the rules. They have seconds to Mm -hmm. make these decisions on thousands of pieces of content in in an hour, right? And they, um, the interesting overlay to me was like, these are—this is a very Catholic country. Mm-hmm. They bring a lot of their person and mm-hmm. their identity to work with them mm-hmm. about making decisions about wow. this content. And wow. it's, so, so when you think about the complexity of these takedowns, right, it is actually really hard to create rules that— when an American user posts something that's visible in Turkey and reviewed by a Filipino contract worker. Oh, man. Like, what is that, <laughs> right? Like, like, who? who's winning in okay, that scenario? Okay, we stereo? should just shut down Facebook. That's really important. <laughs> right? Like, come on, Twitter. Let's just do that. It's really, really hard. Like, just just like,
4: go back. I had Jaron Lanier in, and he was like, there's never been a human experiment on this level yeah. of people talking to each yeah. other in this fashion. Yeah. But when you think about it, the idea of the cleaners is a really interesting one because it's sort of that backroom like you don't want to see how it's made, right? You know, my son just got a job and he's a chef and he's young, but he cooks and he's in a restaurant and he's like, "Mom, you don't want to eat there." <laughs> <You don't laughs> how eat the any gets made? No, it's like I was just talking about. It was over a small like pickle incident, but it wasn't that bad. I was like, "Oh, I'd eat there. It's no problem." But it sort of was like when you see how things get made, it's right. really and and they are trying to rely on AI when they don't even know what that means. Yeah, think,
3: and and I know. think getting that right is going to be so important. Right. I think um, so. Two thoughts on that. One is when you understand the complexity of this i think that it is super hard to like hold the tech companies fully responsible and and, and insist that they make no mistakes which i feel like some of the yeah. rhetoric is definitely like yeah. you never get to make a mistake about that piece of content and right. that that paralyzes a company mm-hmm. that's sure. trying to do their yeah, right thing yeah they're still
4: back on that that my ma- that
3: mass the vietnamese yeah, picture exactly. the little girl running exactly and so the, so that's one thought out of that the, the second is, is on the ai piece which is i do worry, and this might just be rhetorical, I worry about leaders who are saying, we're going to have AI fix that. And they may they just been like, as protection, this is my flak jacket. Yeah. <laughs> like I, the machines will yeah. fix it. My experience is that you need to see mm-hmm the content, you need to make the moral call on Mm -hmm. the Rohingyas or the child porn or whatever. Because if you don't, you have delegated your morality to a machine, Mm -hmm. and that is wrong. That is a really fantastic point, Nicole. Do you think
4: that they get this now? Because I think they don't want to be seen as media companies. They want to keep that immunity. That's a law. They don't get—they're not held responsible for it, so it makes you lazy and sloppy.
3: Yeah, so I think they're struggling in the sense that, like, I don't— I don't think that they want to abrogate all of their responsibility, but mm-hmm. they don't actually want to take on all of the baggage that comes with being a media company. Is that just too bad now? Will I, they I, lose that immunity, do you think?
4: I, I think, think they it, th-
3: it's starting—like oh, yeah. the SESTA-FOSTA thing, right? Yeah, that, like, that was the recent thing, thing around— d- um, Prostitution. Prostitution. And, and sex trafficking. Right. I, th- I think that there are—people are, are going to start chipping away at it, right? Mm-hmm. I think you were interviewing— was it Warner? Warner, I, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. uh, right, right. About like widen or widen. It was Ron yeah. Wyden um, yeah. thinking about like redoing Section Two Thirty about okay. this immunity. So I think that that that's certainly a conversation that's happening and has been happening for years. Mm-hmm. I feel like the current designations we give to these companies don't fit, mm-hmm. and so maybe we need to find a different way. Yeah, yeah. Right. It may not be media, but it, it is might some win, kind of media. But it's not but it's still social just media. platform, right? Right. It's not if no. if they were under the impression that they're just a dumb pipe. That's not it. So yeah. like somehow we need to rejigger yeah. that.
2: We're listening to my September 2018 interview with Nicole Wong, the former Deputy CTO of the United States and former Google and Twitter executive. We're going to take another quick break now, but we'll be back soon.
1: Support for this podcast comes from State Farm. With surprisingly great rates, State Farm is the real deal when it comes to home and car insurance. State Farm agents are in your neighborhood, ready to help personalize your insurance. And you can manage your coverage, pay your bill, or even file a claim right from your phone with the State Farm mobile app. Visit StateFarm.com today to get a great rate without sacrificing great service. That's StateFarm.com. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
4: We're here with Nicole Wong having a riveting discussion. I'm having one. I'm very happy about it. About some issues around tech, which are big. Nicole has worked as a lawyer, but more than that, at uh, tech companies like Google and Twitter. Uh, and she's also worked for the federal government trying to figure out policy issues. Let's talk a little bit about this thing you called the tech lash. You wrote this, a note to me, tech lash and tech's ethical issues. We were just talking about this. These are ethical issues that they that I don't think they want to take responsibility for or never understood. I wrote a column, I think, saying, Mark never took a humanities course, so perhaps he should have taken one or two. A little Kierkegaard might have done him a little good. Um, but, you know, you have to get, or, or a little, I don't know, you know, Eli Weisel, you know, all kinds of things. And he right. was the one that brought up Holocaust deniers and walked right into a bad bunch of quotes about it. How do you look at this tech Where is it going from your perspective? It's easy, because not just that, but addiction about automation, robotics, yeah. like yeah. it goes
3: on and on and on. Yeah, it was funny. I was i was doing a talk for women in STEM recently, mm-hmm. and I was like, I had to do this like, okay, I have a little bit of imposter syndrome because I'm here as like a former deputy CTO, mm-hmm. but in fact, I have like every liberal arts card stacked against me. I'm an American studies major with a minor in English and a poetry fellowship, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I don't cover any of those bases, yeah. but but maybe that's actually what tech needs right mm-hmm. now is yeah. like we need more sociologists and right. ethicists right. coming into the tech sector right. to talk about the broader implications of how tech gets... Mm Used And and I think that we're starting to see that. So, like, a group that I'm on the advisory board for called AI Now, Mm -hmm. which is run by Kate Crawford and Meredith Whitaker out Mm -hmm. in New York, and they are all about what are the social implications of Mm -hmm. AI. Mm -hmm. And and I think we need more of that conversation. Dana Boyd's Data and Society, likewise, having these really interesting, like, hardcore research on the implications for humans Mm -hmm. when we use these technologies. Right. That, I think, is super important, and that, I think, will help... Turn the cultures in some of these tech companies around if they're smart enough to grasp. Are the leaders, uh, you've been close to these leaders, are they amenable to it? I think they are, but I don't think they know what that role looks like, mm-hmm. right? Like, right. What do, where do you put an emphasis? Well, they never liked
4: the non-tech people. Yeah.
3: Really. I mean they pretend <laughs> to. They tolerate them. I know. So I got tolerated at a lot yeah. of meetings. Yeah. Um, but oh, but I think say uh, no again. <laughs> I think that they know they're missing something. Mm-hmm. Right. All the smart ones know they're missing something. And so I think they are looking to figure out how to put that into the system. But it is a system that's built on very straightforward, fast, iterative development right. that doesn't necessarily do a lot of stop and think about the human aspects of it, Mm -hmm. nor could I imagine a world right now knowing how a lot of products get launched that you would say, hey, we shouldn't do that until we understand the ethical ramifications. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, I just don't see holding a launch for that one. <laughs> yeah, because we wouldn't get a lot of things, <laughs> would you? Yeah. yeah. So, so, right, like, so I think, you know, if we want our, our companies here to be super innovative and right. productive. Because they're not doing that over in China. Exactly. So sure, right. right? And I, That's China's their argument China's going to sweep the table with this. Right, us. exactly.
4: But that's their argument now, right? Like, I, when I had Mark on in the podcast, he's like, well, it's, you know, if I get hindered, what about China? I'm like, what? Like that's my choice—is G or you? Like I don't feel like that's the choice I need to have to make. But, but I
3: do think like thinking through yeah. like how do we get ahead of the standard setting that China will do otherwise because they right. may not be hampered. I right. talk same about way. that sweep the table. So AI is actually the place where I'm, I'm like thinking about this. Right. Right. To develop surveillance and robotics and facial, right? To develop really strong AI, you need a lot of data. Mm -hmm. Well, if you have an authoritarian government that says, "Hey, we're now all doing facial recognition," Mm -hmm. you suddenly have a lot of data, right? And and which they're doing in in China, right? Which if you're in the United States or Europe or whatever, you have to get consent. That consent can be withdrawn. Like all kinds of hurdles to Mm -hmm. collecting the data, which means we'll be slower. Mm -hmm. I don't have an issue with that, except Mm -hmm. for the fact that like. China has the ability to deploy a technology that will simply be the dominant technology if they get there first, mm-hmm. right?
4: Or could be. And right? what does that technology look
3: like? Whatever. It tells you everything. Right? Exactly. Right. right. Like this whole, what is it they're doing, social, your social currency or something mm-hmm. like that based on your facial recognition? Yeah. Um, it like, was a Black Mirror episode, if you recall. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's terrifying, right? Yeah. And yeah. so the question is, like, well— how are we weighing in on that? Mm-hmm. And and can we weigh in if our technology can't meet theirs? Right, right. So what do we do? I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, like, part of me says, well, what if—it means that all of the countries who are doing this work need to get together and say, like, this is acceptable use. Right. And China's going to be the so outlier. So a cyber doctrine.
4: Yeah. What can be used? Even Warner talked about this in my interview. He said there's a, there's a cyber doctrine over what we can do and what we can't do, mm-hmm. and if people violate it, we will right. use our tools to stop
3: it. Right. Which right. means we, we need to start using more of our global forums, mm-hmm. right, to to sort of just make policy As decisions. As we did on many other issues. Yes. Pollution or climate or things
4: like that. Nuclear warheads. Nuclear warheads. Like all kinds of things. So why who, – but who's the leader then if we have a, a, an administration currently who doesn't have a CTO? May yes. I make that note? How do you feel about that?
3: <laughs> I'm so sad for yeah. uh, that part of our, our government. There was
4: a real estate guy there, but he's gone. <laughs> No, I'm serious. He was. He was very nice. Yes, he was. There's Um, nobody
3: there. It's like empty. It's (laughs) fascinating. Right? At a time when like we are— They actually let me
4: in the White House. I can't believe it, but they do.
3: (laughs) And did you like steal M&Ms? No, I didn't. I brought my phone in and taped everything like (laughs) Omarosa.
4: But you could, by the way. Let me just—I was such a good girl. I put it in the box and nobody checked it. Like— and I was like, wow, they used to check it. Like, they used
3: to, like, yeah. it was really kind of shocking. I mean, totally separate in part. Like, the, the Internet tech policy issues, which I used to cover, mm-hmm. gone, right? right? Nobody's watching that. No. Uh, cybersecurity, no. gone. No yeah. one, No one's there. But honestly, I'm thinking about, like, biotech, mm-hmm. Zika, right, right? right yeah. Ebola, yeah. climate yeah. change. Like, all of these things where, like, there is no input. scientific input. Right. Right. Yeah, n- n- Much less policy input yeah. on what to do about those right. things. Thank goodness we don't have a C- like, because they wouldn't have. Who would tell them what who, to do? How would we
4: know? How would we know? <laughs> which is interesting. There's a new book coming out, Woodward, which is, is frightening, actually, because mm-hmm. they're basically taking paper paper off his desk so he doesn't see things. But was that a good thing to have a CTO,
3: do you think, or a deputy CTO? Because why? Because I think you need a voice for tech at the table. And this goes back to where we started mm-hmm. the conversation. It was like, technology is not someone who provides your email, mm-hmm. right? Technology. Technology is actually a, a moving force, a bigger, bigger, right? Thing. That that can deliver services well, but we're not just fixing websites. Like this is about reaching a millions of people, mm-hmm. right? To make their lives better. That's right. that's where the possibility, right, exists. 100%. And you want people who are in the CTO's role who can envision that mm-hmm. and, um, and give advice in a, in a and way. have a seat at the table of the president to right. tell him. That that vision exists. Right. And he would just want you to help him do Twitter, right? Trump, yeah. (laughs) He does a pretty good job, actually. Yeah, he seems to be a master.
4: He's real good at it. (laughs) But so getting back, I want to get back to China before we go and then talk lastly about diversity. Um, Google and China. Yeah. You worked on the coming out of China, going in and coming out. Yeah. Which was for very, it was a big call at the time.
3: It was. And and I think the company struggled with it going in and coming Mm -hmm. out. And candidly, I would stand by both decisions. I would, to this day, stand by the reasons we went into China. Which were? Explain um, them. To make the services more broadly available to a significant part of a population that was, I don't think that Google would have ever said this, but was information poor. Mm -hmm. They just didn't have access to as much as you could get. And Mm -hmm. so even when you censor, and I think that the way that we Managed search results when we knew that there was a an area the government would not let us show. Mm-hmm. We, Falun Gong, right, exactly. But we would show at the bottom a disclaimer that says some results have been withheld because of the the government restrictions. But then at least Chinese us- users knew what they were missing, mm-hmm. right? And before they had no idea; they thought they were seeing the whole world. Mm-hmm. So I think that that telling, giving them that instinct to to have a sense for what is missing. Mm-hmm was an important okay although the government now might let you put that warning I, on well i i think yeah. that's right, right right like so now that we're gone is that still th- the way things work i think that that was actually a really important thing i also think candidly the way that google That's the pre- optimistic i know but i was that of might have been China. you know the time that i was yeah. there and the things yeah. that i believed in but then coming out but co- no coming out like over the course of the years that we were there increasingly repressive, increasingly censoring, and then intrusions onto the Google systems, mm-hmm. right, by Chinese hackers, mm-hmm. all of said, this isn't worth it, right. right? There's no way we can protect our users and, mm-hmm. and defend our mission mm-hmm. with with this happening, and so we left. Right. And I think that that was the right call, too. Mm-hmm. And I thought what we did was we, we left in a noisy way mm-hmm. to make sure that people understood yeah. what was at stake. Right. I yeah. think it's really interesting, right, like, the questions that I got from Congress during that period were—some of them were around this issue of, like, how can you undermine democratic values by acceding to that government censorship and, you know, Mm. like— When you were there. Well, when we were there. And right now now the questions are flipped, which is like, why aren't you censoring more? Right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know. By the same people. For well, our so, stuff. Right. For our stuff. Yeah. Right. And so, like, I think— You know like, what I think they're mad about is Facebook has pulled
4: away a lot of uh, political and news stuff and put in more cat videos again, and they don't like <laughs> and that. And they don't like
3: that. They like it's taking time Yeah, out. exactly. But that's that's my theory. <laughs> that's my, that's my working theory. Yeah. So So, it's like, it's, I'm, I, I don't know that it's—I don't think no. it's wrong oh, for yeah. that they've changed their focus. I just—I'm saddened. But yeah. that's the place we so. In right but now. what
4: about going now into China? It's gotten a backlash within Google. Yeah, as it has yeah. work for the defense department, as has work all right. kinds of things. So
3: I don't know enough about their decision making around that. What and do it, you I, imagine? I haven't heard the same criteria about, like, what that we're going to help do. China be better. Yeah, but I, but I think it matters a lot how. Right. right? Like I think it, when we first went in. It was with this notion of, hey, we're going to have disclaimers about right. what we remove, but it's also, we would not have authenticated users mm-hmm. in China so that we would never be in a position of having to deliver right. a, ch- a user right. to the Chinese government. Right. I don't know whether that's the constraints, yeah. but I would hope that they are thinking through Why do they want to go in now? It. They just can't miss this one, this swing? Yeah. I mean, like, data, right? Yeah. Huge right. swaths of data. Yeah. And I, and I, I, I don't disagree with its value yeah. either, right?
4: Yeah. Dirty data. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. I mean, I know it seems like I just—it's just— It's—yeah. Just, it's, uh, they haven't gotten better. This country hasn't. It's gotten more authoritarian.
3: Yes. And so right. is the rest of the world. And it's not going to
4: yeah. get There's better. There's no way future. they're going to do it. And so it's—they're just going to have to admit what they're doing. Right. Right, which is interesting. Do you think—what changed in that regard? Just we can't—we need the data?
3: I, You know, I don't know. I, don't. I, I totally don't know. I will say, like, for China, and I don't know— I don't know any background to it. So Kaifu Lee, who actually I'm used to work you to tomorrow, yeah. Oh, you are. Yeah. So yeah. he used to work for Google and now yeah. he's he's there. And I think he's been saying some really interesting things about AI mm-hmm. and like the proper role for AI and the mm-hmm. proper role for humans. Mm-hmm. I actually think that that's a more interesting conversation than I'm hearing in a lot of the United yeah. States. Yeah, right. And there's a lot of so, cool stuff
4: going on in China yeah. at the same time, and yeah. I do think they're sort of going to clean our clock in many ways. Yeah, um, I'm but fascinated. But authoritarianism <laughs> helps yes. helps to be totally. able to do that. So, lastly, I want to. We just have yeah. a few more minutes. This diversity issue in tech, is something you you have this group of women, mostly women in AI now, is that right, or it just happens to be? Oh no, of?
3: it's that's. I think it's uh, across the board. So.
4: Another thing, California may rule that we have to have so many women on the boards, things like that. Yeah,
3: super interesting. I mean, like, after I left the administration, the Obama administration, they kicked off an initiative, I think under Mm Megan, right, which is diversity in tech, Mm -hmm. which makes a total sense. Mm -hmm. I think it was also coinciding with, like, the Ellen Powell Mm -hmm. case and and that sort of thing. So there was a a lot of movement at that point. Pinterest was talking about, like, Mm -hmm. let's everybody publish their numbers. Let's put more money into it. And then it kind of all went quiet. Mm -hmm. And then there was Me Too. Right. I think that there's been a huge amount of progress by folks, and I know you talked like Eileen Lee and Paul mm-hmm. Ray yeah. and um, Sekinder's board mm-hmm. list mm-hmm. and Megan because she's in mm-hmm. everything. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> continuing to promote diversity mm-hmm. across the board in STEM. I have heard at the CEO and board level that the right questions are now being asked by mm-hmm. you know our white male mm-hmm. li- folks. You know, what am I gonna do? to change the diversity mm-hmm. equation in, in this company, that's awesome. And I find myself impatient that it's not happening right, faster. To finish, make the product case for it, for a lawyer that you want should have this. Yeah. So, like, I think particularly for those products that are very social, to not have the perspective of women and marginalized people telling you, what feels dangerous to me, mm-hmm. right, or what would I really like to see, you are missing an opportunity. Like, I completely buy all of the data that says the financial performance of more diverse companies is significantly better. I completely believe that because you, you are actually looking at your user base within your company and having them co-design with you a better product. Mm-hmm. That to me is like, it's it's a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. The fact that we cannot seem to retain those people and get them to higher levels because now they're just so, dragging them in; they're not helping. Them exactly, move up. they're like they're like stuff in the pipeline, right? And so their numbers look good there, but they, I Moving am them Still hearing like people are in rooms where they feel like they're alone and they have no voice. Yep. Right. And I, whatever we got to do to change that, we have got to do it faster. Absolutely. This has been
4: a riveting discussion, Nicole. You were so. I'm having you back. <laughs> you're my new chamath. That's a compliment Even though we all know Jamal It's a compliment in any case This has been great These are great topics I mean, I'm mean, i going to have you back to talk about more Thank you for coming on the show Thank you so much you, By the way, Nicole was pinging me on Twitter, right? Weren't we? And yes, I said, come on the right. show we, yes, and tell exactly. me that So just anybody who does that Except for that real mean person today That would be no great No mean people No, I'm okay with mean people I like me people. Really? Oh, no, I, don't I don't need mind. any mean people mind. in my Twitter feed. I
2: don't
4: mind. I don't <laughs> mind. I want to talk to Steve Bannon, I don't
2: know who do, what do I know. That's true. You are a <laughs> for publishing. Yes, I am. Thanks again to Nicole Wong for coming on Rico Decode, and thank you for listening. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Kara Swisher. My executive producer is Erica Anderson at Erica America. My producer, Eric Johnson, is at E S J. Don't forget to subscribe to Pivot with Kara Swisher and Scott Galloway for fresh conversations about tech business and more every week. Thanks also to our editor, Joel Rabe. We'll be back here with another Best of Rico Decode episode on Wednesday. Tune in then.
1: HBO Max brings all of HBO to your fingertips, plus an epic list of new Max originals. Whether you're into animation, classic movies, or binge-worthy series, HBO Max's suggested collections are curated by real humans, not robots, so you find the right thing to watch every time. With thousands of options for you and the family to choose from, it's the streaming platform of your dreams. HBO Max, where HBO needs so much more. Start streaming now at hbomax.com.